there. Welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast. Today, we're talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 9, The Marshal. My name's Dan, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Noma. How's it going? Amazing. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Good to hear. And Ed. Oh. How you doing, Ed? Excited. I'm very <laughs> excited as well. Excited. Um, Ed, you want to tell the fine listeners... What's going to happen this episode? This is kind of a, a new format for us. Yeah, so this episode we're going to be discussing, as you know, The Mandalorian Chapter 9, The Marshal. Uh, what happened in the episode and then predictions on what may happen for future episodes, be it the next one or the rest of the series or whatever and however theories take us throughout the discussion. And if you want to get in on that discussion, well, Noma can tell you how to contact us. Yes, I can. So there's a bunch of different ways to get in contact with us. Uh, first is email. We have an email that is voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Uh, you can also get a hold of us through Twitter. We are at voiceforcepod. Uh, retweeting with our new episodes helps uh, a lot and is uh, very much appreciated because, you know, we're trying to grow our listener base. Uh, we've also got a website, which is uh, www.voiceoftheforce.com. And from there, you can see really the whole collection of everything we've got, including our specials and our Star Wars Celebration Chicago recordings. Uh, and you can also listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Uh, reviewing us with five stars and a comment helps with the visibility. And again, very much appreciated. But yeah, I mean, you know, during this episode, if you like any of the points that we're making or you got your own points or you think ours are wrong or you know anything like that just uh send us a message through one of those sites because we'd love to to kind of listen and then talk about those as well and uh yeah it's just you know you guys probably caught some stuff we didn't so it's always good to to expand our knowledge of this episode I know this is no place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. <laughs> so I've heard. All right, let's get into The Mandalorian Chapter 9 and Ooh. the plot points for this. So if you haven't, this is more of a spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Mandalorian Chapter 9, The Marshal, yet, stop listening now because there are going to be spoilers ahead of everything that happened in that episode going to try and cover some easter eggs that are in there as well that we found and uh kind of going into a little bit of the backstory of some of the things so mm-hmm. if you haven't you have been warned or watched the episode yet pause watch it and come back all right you have been warned <laughs> starting us off with the mandalorian chapter 9 plot points we see uh the mandalorian heading into a fight club on a planet that we're not too sure he's kind of walking through the streets of a really dark uh town at night and uh, he, I don't know if you guys noticed, but he had spurs on his um, his boots or something because, like, they weren't visibly there. But when he was walking, you could hear the, the spur sound, which is quite mm-hmm. interesting. That and could just be his belt of freaking ammunition. Could have been. It could have been like <laughs> some of his gear. That's what I was thinking. Like too. he does have a lot of jangly gear, kind of. Stuff. That's true. Definitely. Um, and then he gets to go into the fight club, and he's sitting beside an Abyssin, which is the alien race, uh, the one-eyed kind of cyclops race. And mm. his name is Gore Koresh, and played by what was his name, Noma? Uh, John Louis Guzamo. Yeah, who was voiced by him, which is cool. Yeah, his most famous role was definitely playing Luigi in the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> but yeah, more re- yeah, more recently, I'm sure the thing everyone knows him for is he's uh, he's in the first two John Wick movies as I think his name's Aurelio in that one. He's the car oh, guy. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's in that, um, and basically they're watching some Gamorrean fighters fight in like a wrestling ring with axes, um, and they have some sort of weird like barrier shield thing that like wards off the axe blows. Um, like pulse and, axes. Yeah, it's really weird. I wasn't sure if they were getting actually damaged by it or if they're wear like wearing down the shields. Um, it's also yeah, it's also interesting because they're blocking the axes but they don't block blaster bolts as we see in that scene yeah which is very interesting so yeah. it was blocked and low then... energy at that point then or something like a low energy shield yeah or like yeah, against vibro weapons or something mm-hmm. um, speaking of 
Sorry to cut you mm-hmm. off right there. Yeah. I think this is the first time we've been accurately depicted of a vibroblade. Um, because uh, that's what he whipped out and threw into the guy's chest. You could hear it humming. Did we see it in the when first he season? It or out, no? you, could s- you, you see it. Know. You see it for a second in the first season because when him and um, when him and the Vizsla are fighting, mm-hmm. they they have vibro weapons in that scene. When well, I was even thinking like with the fight. the mudhorn. Did he use it against the mudhorn? Oh, I'm not, whipped I out a knife, but I didn't see anything moving or anything like that. Yeah. This thing we'll really, like, it was really going. Yeah, yeah. it was really, really cool, should... though. And it, it also looked like the, the Gamorreans had vibro axes as well, because the axes seemed to be... It looked like they were vibrating. Maybe I should watch it again, double-check. But You might have had too much coffee, Noma. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> Your eyes are just, like, going back and forth really fast. <laughs> um, And then, basically, the Abyssin shoots one of the... Um, Gamorians, and then it starts a huge fight in uh, the club, and well, standoff. Yeah, and then the Mandalorian basically is asking for information on uh, the sightings of a Mandalorian because he found out that this guy knows, and kills everybody except for this guy. He walks out and captures him, ties him up on a pole, and basically interrogates him to find out that there's a Mandalorian on Tatooine that has uh, been sighted, um, and. Then he just leaves him to die. He's like, aren't you going to let me down? And uh, Mando's like, that wasn't part of the deal. And it seems like there's these, like, I don't know well, what they're... Because like, that makes it sound like he shoots him. But he, yeah, yeah, no, he, sh- he, he shoots the light. light to draw out the beast. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And then, so the beasts, the only thing I can think of that we've seen in Star Wars so far, at least in Star Wars canon material, mm-hmm. is um, the Fear Nox uh, from uh, Rebels, Season 1, Episode 7 when Hera and Sabine were at the Clone Wars base and they had to like stay alive against these little like dog-like things that stayed in the darkness and as the sun was mm-hmm. setting they had to like kind of get pushed back more and more um which is kind of what I'm thinking these things were but I don't know um that's just a, a theory of mine so he finds I mean out... it's, it, yeah it's, I think it's the best theory that we've got out of it like I when when we we're watching the episode I just I thought they they looked like the dogs from Mass Effect but I mean you know that's not I couldn't even see. I couldn't <laughs> even see universe. what what like the shadows. Like I, I don't know no, if it was the lighting. You got their or outlines, and that was perfect. Yeah. Because mm. all you could see was like their outlines, and then the red. And it was all just, I like, saw that, was the red eyes. Yeah, I have to rewatch that. It, automatically just hits you. It's like a yeah. You know, you're not friendly. Yeah. Red, they're, they're, red is always angry or gonna hurt something. So I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you're done. Yeah. There, there's a moment like right at the end, like right before it cuts, where like one of them starts to to run, and it looked very kind of like sleek and smooth. Okay, and that's what reminded me of. I can't remember. I, I'm sure other people. <laughs> They're heartless. Uh, I, yeah, I'm sure the people. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure the people. Some of the people listening will know the names, but yeah, there's it's it's some like attack dog thing in Mass Effect. I I just remember the one Jack has called, that she calls Ezo, but I think it starts with a V. But yeah, anyways, it, that's a different, you know, franchise. So I'm sure it's not the same thing. So the Mandalorian heads to Tatooine to find the other Mandalorian. And uh, we get introduced, reintroduced to a character named Pelimoto or Pelimoto, uh, who's the dock worker from season one that is mm-hmm. in love with the baby. And uh, we do get the pit droids back again. And she's like, don't, don't, you know, he doesn't like droids. Get over here. Uh, and then he's like, no, no, no. let's go. Sorry to cut in. But um, I think she also mentioned that he just walked in with the child into the fight club like it was nothing. He just brings him in. It's like, oh, this is going to be a very dangerous situation. All right, come on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, okay. He's like, I'm not going to leave you on the ship. No, you're not leaving my sight. Come on. Exactly. Into this club. Okay. Okay. Responsible parenting 101. There's actually (laughs) a a part later on where he leaves the baby and he walks into some other place and leaves the baby at his own devices. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, But yeah, so we get the pit droids. You know, he's like, no, don't worry about it. They can clean the ship. It needs a good scrubbing. And she's like, oh, now you're cool with droids. All right. So that's probably due to the IG scenario or incident that happened in the first season. Mm-hmm. But as they're trying to clean his ship, they're working with like a vacuum cleaner and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Making fart sounds. And I'm like, that is totally episode one humor. Um, yeah. I, lo- I loved it. It was funny as hell. Um, and then we kind of get a little bit of a plot um, exposition piece here where she shows him... Um, where the last sighting of the, this Mandalorian might have been in a place called Ma- uh, Moss Pelago, and she brings up like a hollow map where she can show where like Moss Asaisley was, Moss Espa, and then where 
Moss um, Pelago was. And he's like, it's not yeah. on there. And she's like, oh, yeah, but it's pull, there. They, yeah, they pull a Camino with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually didn't think about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, so I call, it looks I call like the Anchorhead doesn't town. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so then, as as that happens, we head out to Moss Pelago, and it's like a kind of a, a smash cut of like a him driving on his speeder to go places and hanging out with Tuscan Raiders here and there, and you know Ooh. talking to them around the fire. Big mention to the Tuscans, though. That was a really cool way of introducing um, sign language into mm-hmm. everything. Like, oh, yeah, they, they're Raiders. not just donkey. Yeah, they're not just donkey roads and stuff like that. Like, they have a language, but for whatever reason, they they use hand signals, and then it's pretty much sign language. Like, hey, here, here we're going. We're gonna do this. We're gonna that that movement for kill is just like, oh god, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there was one thing that I well we'll talk about it I guess when it comes up in the plot points. But yeah. there was one thing with that that I did question. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that soon. So as we get to Moss Pelago, he arrives in this town and is kind of slowly going on his speeder, um, just looking at different people that are in the town, the different villagers and things, and uh, goes into the local cantina. Uh, I guess you could call it. And there's a weak way there, just chilling. And he's like, uh, "What can I do for you?" Basically. And as he as he leaves the speeder, he leaves um, the child in in like the little package. And the child, I guess, gets out and starts walking around the the cantina. And as that happens, uh, we you know get a little bit of an encounter with him and the um, proprietor. And uh, he's like, "I'm looking for someone who looks like me, a Mandalorian." He's like, "Okay." And then. The new character comes in um, wearing some very familiar Mandalorian armor <laughs> that doesn't quite fit. Um, and uh, our our main character, the Mandalorian, looks over at him and they have a little bit of a standoff. He finds out that this character, his name is Cobb Vanth, played by Timothy Oliphant, actually. Um, I thought I recognized him. Very familiar face. Um, he... I mean, the... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he and um, Cobb Vanth uh, have a little bit of a standoff. He's saying that you need to take that armor off now. Um, basically, due to the Mandalorian Creed, it's like stolen armor, and it's um, basically a disgrace to Mandalorian culture, I, I assume. Um, and this is where we start to get like a little bit of an earthquake as the standoff is happening. And they go outside, and they see this they- massive like sand whale or something coming through the the village and it just just like goes right through the center and swallows up a bantha at the end and we find out that there is a crate dragon problem and they strike a deal um to hand over the armor for helping to kill the crate dragon um and you just a quick note yeah um well the whole reason they got into the standoff because he was like he's watching him like okay okay sure this is odd but okay and then he got the marshal orders two drinks, and sits down and takes his helmet off yes. in front of people, and that was like the okay, nah. Yeah, yeah, he's not a Mandalorian. That, yeah, that's where the standoff started. It was like, what are you doing? And how did you get that? Nah, mm-hmm. give it up, kind of thing. That yeah, he that set him off more than anything. It's yeah, like, I, I also, um, or I guess th- this isn't quite related but yeah i was watching the episode with dan uh when that part and man if you ever want to want to hear dan go through like a like the fastest highs and lows that i've ever heard <laughs> i wish i recorded it man oh, it was yeah it, i can once in a lifetime yeah because the door opens he's like oh my god is it him and he sees the armor and he goes oh my god it's uh it's not him and so we keep watching a little bit more and i'm looking at the helmet and i go Oh, oh shit, Dan! He's got he's got the he's got the the blaster bolt the Boba Fett has, and Dan's like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, it's green, and he's got the 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 bolt dent." And then season goes, "Oh, oh my god, it's his arm!" Just <laughs> freaking out. Oh yeah. <laughs> then was, he took the helmet off. Because on the TV, <laughs> I, I I got a glimpse of the armor, but it was silhouetted, so I couldn't see it. And I don't know if it's uh... like I, we have a 4K TV and it has HDR, so like the darks are really dark, and the lights mm. are really light. Um, and there's a lot of contrast there, so I don't know if it was that I couldn't see it. Or it was just the lighting that it was in the room or whatever, but I couldn't see it at first. He's like, "Wait a minute, that's that's that armor." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, what?" And I was watching the scene come through. I'm like, "No, what? <laughs> I don't think I've ever made sounds like that in my life." <laughs> but yeah, so there's something that's happening, and so they agree to 
put aside their differences for now to find the crate dragon and take it out. And so as they are driving through um, the desert on a speeder with no name, um, we get a fun, cool Easter egg that it's not mentioned at all. It's just a visual uh, Easter egg. Uh, um, I thought it was awesome. It basically, yeah, uh, Bob Vance speeder is a repurposed mm, pod racer engine from a little mm -mm. boy named Anakin. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. What do you not think of that, of that, Ed? Mm, not no no. What? Mm -mm. Mm. I thought it was a great nod. Wait. Like, okay, they had to repurpose the absolute hell out of that thing because he's mm. sitting on the friggin' engine. Actually, it's or, or like, so, like so it's actually, a thruster, right? Yeah. So so he's actually. Um, I, I didn't notice it until I think the fourth or fifth shot. He's it's it's a side seat. There's literally a seat bolted onto the side of the engine. Okay. And that's how he's gonna. Yeah, because no, at first I was thinking the same thing where it's like, really, this you're mounting you're mounting a pod racer engine. And then yeah, when I noticed the side seat, I was like, oh okay, that that makes more sense to me because it's you know at that point he's literally just riding an en like a jet engine basically. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like because at first I saw it in the shot they had it looked like the um. One of the flaps, I guess, was directly above. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, it, see, it wasn't. It was like split into three. So no. And then they showed again. I was like, yeah, it is. No. You know what they should have had happen is when they're driving through the desert just for fun, have like a little thing like start wiggling on the side of the engine and fall off. And then he starts to like lose control <laughs> and then he gets it back. <laughs> like, like no switches. The switch, yeah. <laughs> the switch yeah. to flip to do that. Right? Well, that would have been funny. But yeah, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> a little funny little Easter egg there. Um, and basically, so during this whole adventure, um, they finally get to, um, the villagers and, or sorry, the Tuscan Raiders and they find these dogs in this Canyon and they're coming out and they're like, arr, 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 arr. and then the these look like regular act dogs too. Yes. And mm. the Mandalorian was, he was coming out and he's like, Hmm, let me think here. And then he starts making like, I don't know, guttural or like throttle noises, I guess. Well, see that that's so. So the, this is my the one part where like this is the only the first time for me where I've kind of gotten an annoyed. Well, not annoyed, but I was like, ah, that's kind of weird. Which is so it turns out in this episode he can speak Tuscan. It's like how? Yes. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Like you so, don't just pick that up. Yeah. Right. So well, exactly. My, so my my immediate two questions are, yeah, where did you learn Tuscan? And then the second was. Why didn't you use that last season? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that I, I'm just kind of thinking about now is that since he had encounters with the Tuscans last season and he, he didn't speak the language, maybe he didn't know it to a degree. Um, we don't know what the time difference is between last season and this season. Um, but That's he might have, once he encountered those Tuscans, he might have been like, okay, this might be something that I need. So he might have been kind of studying up on it on his ship. I don't know. It's just a theory. Um, which would make sense, and the use can of the droids language between. Sorry. Can droids translate Tuscan? I have no idea. Probably we've never had an actual. I don't know if of C three PO ever did. I would yeah, assume so. I haven't. But you know, one of those languages they don't. Yeah. yeah. The thing I was gonna say is with with the mm -hmm. use of the sign language and the actual vocal like language as well. Um, mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to like how we use sign language sometimes as humans, um, in our world. We basically like some people like when they're speaking and they do like the sign language, they mm -hmm. do do like the mouthing and some of the vocal um, uh, sounds as well while making the signs for people. Yeah, I've seen that before. Right, so it's very similar to that. Is I thought that was a kind of interesting um, take on the Tuscans and like using both of the languages, the verbal and the um, I guess somatic, mm. which like the hand now, gestures. This is something you do right. Because I still see it as like a PR move, to just a good not a PR, but like a PC move to be like, hey, you know, like anybody can be a fan, like even like if you're deaf or anything like that, you can still mm -hmm. enjoy Star Wars, right? And look, yeah, yeah. there's somebody like you, and you're not rewriting anything for it. You are building upon something, yeah. Which was the biggest difference. Right and now. I think and the, the whole time it was like that is that every time they brought it up, I'm like, yes. The, yeah. mis the misunderstanding of the yeah. of the Tuscan Raiders is huge because like you always think they're these evil raiding exactly. people and then in this in the mandalorian season one and two uh like when they he encounters the them they're just a they're just a normal people that are misunderstood by everybody well, they, they they bring up a good point in that as well which is i mean late, you know a little bit later on once once they've struck a deal but 
Like the 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 line. Oh. Well, and and Din says um, when when um, when the Tuscans arguing with uh, Cobb, mm-hmm. and Din Din is translating, and he says, "You steal our water, and now you don't want to participate in our rituals." And I thought that was like that's a good indicator, right? From the Tuscans' point of view, they're the you know they're in the, the invaders. right. Invaders, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really bad. You had a point. You had you had it there, Noma, and then you dropped the ball because you could have said, from the Tuscans' point of view, the people oh, are evil. He, yeah, the people are good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, i'll go into the shame corner yeah oh that was that was right there for you i was waiting for it um so basically so yeah they um they repurpose the pod racer they talk to the um huskins they sit down they, ha- they hang out and then there's a little bit of um a difference in opinion for um cobb vanth and tuscan raiders they kind of are at each other's he- um throats because um he was being disrespectful to them and um they got in a fight earlier and they raided the village and like people on both sides died. So mm. Mando's like flamethrower, making sure everyone's like chill out and we can't do this if we're going to be at each other's throats. So they do a little bit of recon um, at the crate dragon and we see a Tusken Raider walk a Bantha out to the front of the cave and <laughs> start screaming into the cave or communicating to the cave. Hey, we're here. We got stuff. Mm. And um, the... Tuscan Raider starts to run away because he hears the crate dragon coming, and you can see it. And it veers as it, it's coming out of the cave. It veers off to the left or to the right, I guess, out of the cave, and eats the Tuscan Raider and leaves the band. <laughs> sure. I thought that was funny. So that was I, justice, man. Sacrificial lamb comes out, and he's like, "All right, I'm going now." It's like, nah, you. And he, you it know just, what? Smart. It just immediate. Oh, sorry. Keep going. I was just say smart on the crate dragon's perspective because it can eat the Tuscan Raider, and no one's gonna come get the Bantha after that. So he can no. eat the Bantha as well. So he got twice as much food. Yeah, it, it just it just immediately made me think of. Granted, I've never actually read it. I just know some of the parts of the book, but it just immediately made me think of Dune, where it's like you don't what what what's the I, there's a rule in Dune where it's like you don't walk. You have to walk with like an asymmetrical beat, otherwise the sandworms find you. Ooh, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so just immediately, I was like, "Nope, oh, oh no, he's running. He's just trying. The vibrations are attracting it. Whoops! Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it." Because the bantha was actually also standing still, so maybe that's also the case. Yeah, yeah. No vibration, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then, and then is, we... it has eyes. So why the hell? True. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was it was a really weird design for me, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, interesting point of note too. They they mention off the cuff. He's like, um. When before they see the the, the great dragon come out of the cave and whatnot, they talk about kind of what this place used to be, and it used to be an old sarlacc pit that it's using as its lair now. And he's like, I didn't think sarlaccs changed pits or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact line, but he's like, Oh no no, it killed it and ate it. <laughs> like that's how crazy these crate dragons are. They can mm-hmm. actually kill and eat sarlaccs. After the um, talk about the Sarlacc pit and everything, they do like a little di- um, like a scale model, I guess, of like a skeleton of the worm and or the crate dragon, sorry, and like the people. And he's like, that can't be to scale. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it is. And so they put down some more little things. And he's like, oh, we're getting the reinforcements from. That's Cobb Vanth. And he's like, I volunteer village. <laughs> so they go back to the village and have to convince all the villagers to participate in taking down this uh, crate dragon. And um, after a little bit of uh, um, convincing, the village uh, decides that, you know, we're going to do this. And they work together with the Tusken Raiders. So they bring out all these mining charges and stuff like that. And we do get a little bit of exposition about how Cobb Vanth or where Cobb Vanth got the armor. We find the mining guild, once the Empire was destroyed with the second Death Star... They came into the village to basically take over the, the power struggle or the power vacuum that was there. And um, he left and stole some crystals, I guess, um, of some sort. And he yeah, runs... accidentally stole some crystals. Yeah, he didn't know they were crystals. He just grabbed something. And yep. uh, he left, was picked up by Jawas, and they were like, oh, we want these crystals. So they tried to give him a whole bunch of different things. And he saw the armor, uh, the Mandalorian armor that he's wearing in the side of the the um, sand crawler. And he's like, that, I want that. So he comes back, takes out the mining guild, defends the village, and that's the gen- that's where uh, he got the armor from. So 
Maybe one yeah. day we'll find out where the armor, how it got to the jaw was. But so there, there's something that was kind of interesting in there as well. I just, I, I thought it was, it was they, they really gloss over it, which I guess is expected. But mm. just going over the fact that um, there is basically, you know, cor- corporate hostile takeovers and slaveries in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, like the only, I think the only other time we've really seen that in, well, I mean, obviously, you know, Anakin being a slave, um, but then also with, with rebels, when they show the mining guild and, and kind of oh, go yeah. over there, kind of slave operations. I don't know. It was just interesting. You don't, you don't normally see in, in kind of, well, um, Wookiees. yeah. And, and Wookiees definitely. Um, but even then they, they're like, like in most lore, they kind of, or in, yeah, most stat, like, well, what's the one I'm looking for? More prominent canon, I guess. Mm-hmm. They usually really gloss over slavery, um, like even Anakin being a slave in in mm-hmm. Episode One. They really gloss over it where where you know Padme's like, I thought this wasn't legal, and there's like, yeah, a Tatooine. And yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just I just thought that was interesting that they're like, oh yeah, they're actually talking about you know the the mining corporate guilds coming in and and just setting up a slave operation. I think the biggest. Um... Thing about the slavery that we see in like a mainstream Star Wars thing is mm. probably in Solo when they go to Kessel and you see all the slaves in like the collars and stuff like that, see, the, the Wookiees and things Kessel in the is spice a mixture, mines. Though, because mm. Kessel is a mixture of prisoners and people just picked up, yeah. So you can see everyone like, that's it, working there is a slave apart from the people that were running the place, were they not? Yeah, I'm, I'm using I might be referencing books more through, but like, um, oh, okay. Yeah, I always remember, like, if you got picked up and you had, like, bounties on you or something like that, like, you're going to Kessel, mm-hmm. you see. Like, oh, you, yeah, you, yeah, it's like you, you pretty much start still a slave. Like, you you were picked up by some sort of enforcement to do there. Like, you could be an, from enforcement, you could be from bandits, whatever. It really doesn't matter. Like, once you're there, you're screwed. Um, but, yeah, like, I think that's why they, they could get away with trying to gloss over that. Like oh yeah yeah we picked up a bunch of they're all bad guys yeah yeah they're bad they're they're mm. here don't worry so it's like oh oh yeah well they must have done something so that was like their own kind of cover for that but yeah you're right like here what it's just like yeah it's blatantly come and they've just yeah we're just gonna do this because we can because yeah. they have the power and like like that is something I was surprised with yeah yeah oh god what are we gonna do and they resolved it quickly enough I'd say but it was just kind of like whoa. Well, okay, that's just, I guess, yeah, it's that it's the outer rim. Yeah. At that point, it's just like, it sucks that you always have to be like wary at that point because, like, really, you need to depend on one guy to come across and do this. Like, granted, mm-hmm. he was wearing armor, but there were like seven of them. There <laughs> was, yeah, those, and they were just opening fire. Like, they didn't give a sh at all. Yeah. <laughs> they literally really just weird. walked into the, the cantina and just started opening fire and just killing everybody that they... But yeah. they had great timing, too. Like, the hollow of... Either they were just... <laughs> Death were Star, right? yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, because, like, they show it, like, oh, yeah, we couldn't... We didn't even have a chance to celebrate. So it looks like, like, somehow there was a live feed of what was going on. Thing explodes. They all start cheering, and then these guys are like, oh, they're cheering? All right, time to go. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was like, wow, okay. They also... I... I this just occurred to me when when Cobb comes back and you see him take a blaster bolt and the best guard just deflects it. Because mm. um, Gorka Rush talks about the fact that he he's specifically he's hunting Mandalorians yeah. um, to resell their best car, which I just thought of. So that means oh, there's that, a resale market. In the beginning? Yeah, yeah. I he, missed that. He mentions that, that the price of best car just keeps climbing and climbing. Mm-hmm. Um and that so that's that's why he wants the Mando's armor because he he he's gonna resell it right that makes yeah sense. which which then makes me think okay so the my I mean my two my two immediate questions there are, is how easy is it to re re smelt or reforge Beskar because I mean the armor had a whole setup right yeah um to try and do that and then if not if it's impossible that means there's now a bunch of other you know non-mandos running around with mando armor which would be interesting to kind of, you know it, it, it's Mandalorians it just... that can do that that have been enslaved by people to, to uh, yeah. specifically reforge armor yeah right or or mandos who have gone rogue and are doing that it, it was just it was an interesting thing where i don't necessarily see them really diving into it as the series continues but it's a cool tidbit of lore they throw out that i feel like really kind of expands that that part of the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we're going to get a lot more information about the Mandalorians as we go through this season. That's going to be a big point. Yeah, I hope so. 
So let's move on to the next part where they head out to have the battle at Crate Dragon Cave, or I feel like it comes off the tongue a little bit easier if you say battle at Crate Dragon Canyon. And they start to bury mining charges. They have a whole bunch of Banthas set up with a whole bunch of mining charges attached to them just for carrying purposes. They set up what looks to be like five ballista, like medieval ballista almost, because they're mm. all physical. They're not mechan. They're not sorry. They're not technological or laser operated weapons or anything like that. It's all wood and metal. Um, and they said that they need to make sure that they damage the weak spot, which is the underbelly of the crate dragon. They're trying to coax it out of the, the cave and basically trigger these explosives to blow up the underside of the Cray Dragon to kill it. So, are you guys ready to um, listen to the encounter as it occurred in the show? I'm going to go through this I mean, quickly. Yeah. All right, let's go. So, they coax the Cray Dragon out. It starts to retreat after being attacked by the ballista and by blaster bolts and things. It gets coaxed out again. It starts to spray acid all over people and like descendant, like starts to like basically melt people in front of it. And boom, charges go off because it's right on top of the charges. Comes out over top of the mountain because it, it left and we're like, where is it? And it just blows out at the top of the mountain. And it just layers acid from the top of the mountain onto more people. People are dying left, right, and center. Uh, the Mandalorian and Cobb become jetpack buddies and shoot up, up to the top of the mountain and start shooting it with their blasters and their rifles and uh, they get a new idea so they jump back down and uh, get uh, the attention of the Kray Dragon and I think what was it Cobb shoots the jetpack missile over at the Kray Dragon and it starts to come Mm -hmm. towards him and Mm -hmm. then uh, the Mandalorian he says new plan you're going to protect the child and I'm going to do stuff and he hits the jetpack of Cobb Vanth and he launches off very similar to what happened in episode six with Luke Skywalker, or sorry, Han Solo and uh, yeah. Boba Fett. See, and that's how you know that that armor, because if oh, the yeah. same move can happen on it again, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like you think like the fact that any sort of damage to it whatsoever sends it off is it's got to be extremely volatile, right? So good. yeah, I, I I started laughing as soon as that happened because I was like, okay, so now it is established cannon yeah that if you hit the back of that i can't I, it, there was a name for it. it's like an a10 booster or something but mm-hmm. yeah if you hit the back of that thing it just automatically goes off yeah i think there's a button or something they, they press like an override button or something yeah um, also th- this is this is a super minor detail mm-hmm. um but it it looks like at some point between uh episode six to when Cobb got it the backpack lost its proton torpedo because I, I think that's what Boba Fett originally had on it. The the, the really tall kind of uh, diamond shaped rocket, yeah, uh, is supposed to be a proton torpedo, and it's been swapped out with con- with a concussion missile. It looks like now. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was just a you know super. It minor did look thing different because it had like but... it had like almost like you know what a target looks like with the red, um, yeah, circles on it. Yeah, sure. yeah. It looks like a much more conventional, and then I. I only know this because I I played uh, Rogue Squadron and Rogue Squadron Two to death, but yeah, proton torpedoes that look a lot more like that. They kind of show you what they look like in the game, mm. um, and they look much more like a, a more standardized rocket. Okay. Um, so I I just assumed it's a concussion missile. Uh, after he hits him away, um, they get the attention of the Kray Dragon, and then it starts to charge at them. The Bantha that he is wanting the Kray Dragon to eat, covered in um, mining charges starts to kind of get spooked and the rope snaps and he's got a hold there and so he gets swallowed and uh, proceeds to use eventually the disintegration feature of his rifle to get out of there and fly out of the crate dragon's mouth and boom he sets off all the mining charges that were on the bantha and the crate dragon is no more Mm-mm. um a few other easter eggs uh we did cover the smacking of Cobb's jetpack but there's another one um that the Tusken Raiders, when they're kind of scavenging the crate dragon for material and like meat and stuff like that, they're trying to find something specific, and it's mm-hmm. called the crate dragon pearl. You see them pick it out near the end of the scene, and that was, I think, first mentioned in Knights of the Old, Repu- the Old Republic video game. Yep. And apparently, it has. I might have missed it, but it's uh, it's mentioned in some of the canon novels that are currently um, in publication. So yeah. Kind of a little cool thing there. The Crate Dragon Pearl, I believe, is worth a lot of money. Um, so they would be using it probably to 
trade for other things for their village, like water or something like that as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I've, I've heard about pearl stuff, but can't you even use like really small crate dragon pearls to power a lightsaber? Right. Uh, you know what? Not At too this sure. point, I'm going to say probably. Okay. <laughs> Because it seems like everything and anything can be somehow used to power it in some way. <laughs> it may not be as strong or whatever, but oh, it'll power it. I'm yeah, thinking I, of Master and Apprentice at that point. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Because I, 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 yeah, I seem to remember them talking about um, Asherod Het used that for for his lightsaber, but I, I might be wrong. It's been it's been a long time. Since I know I there's a that. new novel that came out. It's like Myths of Star Wars or something like that. And it's a canon novel. Mm-hmm. And there's a story of a Tusken Raider Jedi. I haven't or read it yet oh did they bring him back yeah, yeah so asherod het is a is a tuscan jedi from the clone wars oh okay that um, makes sense yeah and then eventually goes on to become darth Krait, but that's a whole other that's weird there's that's a, a whole other thing he sh- well because he shows up in star wars legacy which is like 150 yeah. years after Everything. Uh, the clone Wars. yeah and it, it's 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 interesting i kind of dig it but at the same it's really weird because it involves the yuzan vong and vajir and all this yep. other stuff and yeah, no, it's just a whole bunch of stuff, but yeah, Tuscan Jedi and Anakin tried to kill. Well, he's not actually Tuscan though. He's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're moving on. Human, human raised by Tuscans. He gets into a lot of beef with Anakin Skywalker because he was raised by Tuscans, but they end up getting along at the end, and then he becomes a Sith a hundred years later. So they make their way back to Mos Pelago <laughs> after um, uh, Cobb gives the armor to the Mandalorian and says, "Tell your people I didn't break that," referencing the jetpack that the Mandalorian hit um, to make him fly away and so he heads off into the sunset of the desert going back to his ship and we cut to a weird stranger kind of covered in a cloak of some sort with a gaffy stick and a rifle and uh, just a little bit of a glimpse of what he looks like and for those who don't know or don't recognize this person. This is the uh, original actor for Django Fett in episode two, um, Tamara Morrison. <laughs> and uh, that is a huge reference, and uh, it is basically <laughs> ominous it's... in saying that it's Boba Fett. Yeah, I was going to say, it's less a reference and more of a confirmation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so um... that is Boba Fett looking at the Mandalorian, seeing him take the armor into the sunset. So, wow. Yeah. There were a couple of things I wanted to mention. Uh, just as little, little bits. The first one, now this is going way back to near the beginning when he first lands on Tatooine. But um, if people remember episode four, when Luke has to go out because he needs to get a droid. And R2 is there, and next to him is R5, who he oh, picks yeah, R5 right. first and yep. starts sputtering and smoking. Oh, yeah, until, no, until no, R5 no. Exp- take him away. Yeah, until something gotta, pops inside him. <laughs> basically, right? So they take him away, but it looks like he survived and got repurposed because yep. he was in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, he was when, with um, um, they were like, the Dock Lake. Yeah, and he's like, here, pull up the map. And it's like, that's R5. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was just like, wait, I was like, why does that sound so familiar? I'm just like, it wasn't Obi Wan because that was R four. It's like, and uh, granted, there's it's going to be a huge series and a line of them, right? But like, how many times do we see two different R two units? Yeah, and like, I mean, if, if if the universe can converge to the point where where you know Cobb is able to get Anakin's old pod racer, then I can absolutely imagine the dock worker could. It's the same get, one. I guess yeah, Watto was up R5. for was up on hard times. He had to sell the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at him in episode two. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty <laughs> far gone in episode two, and that's yeah. only like what ten years later or something. Yeah. Oh, is that is the comic where where Vader offs Watto still? No, canon, it's not canon. That... No. <laughs> it lives One on day. in our memories. Don't yeah. Worry. Oh well. <laughs> you know, it might be the the new Tales from Vader's Castle comic. Who knows? Watto yeah, right. somehow finds himself at Vader's castle. Yeah, there, there's there, a nice place you've got here. <laughs> there was, there was go a... for yourself, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> you have a very nice. Uh... I don't know why I'm turning into bow rap, but <laughs> but especially if he's just like, oh, I know who you are. Only you're this good at machines. <laughs> oh my goodness, wouldn't that be hilarious? I I could see him just looking at him and just stabbing him in the face, right? There. Annie, what happened to your arms? 
<laughs> Must better now. Eh, better for picking up. <laughs> We're going to like bow rat water, which I'm loving. You're you're slowly turning Mexican. It's getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, oh, there there was also one. I mean, again, in in the grand scheme of things, I don't mind this, but it it bugged me for I think two or three seconds where when they're fighting the the uh, crate dragon, I mean. Like the the Tuscans all have slug throwers, right? Like it's it's those long old <laughs> school musket guns, like a, rifle, like a normal that was, rifle. Yeah. That was the second thing I wanted. Oh, to you say noticed this too? <laughs> I I know what you're about to say, and yeah, I did yeah. start laughing right away when Buddy was walking up. Just like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh, so so yeah, that that too, yeah. Like uh, the the when they try to summon it the second time, he's what he comes up <laughs> he yeah, with a slug thrower, stick, and I'm like, what are you? Yeah, what are you, <laughs> yeah, like oh boy, your bullets are yeah, definitely gonna, gonna hurt this. Like, um, but. But then, yeah. But then, when when they're actually fighting the the crate dragon, I was watching because I was like, oh, I wonder what effect they're going to use for for the slug throwers, and like they're firing lasers, um, and I was like, uh, oh, eh, that's uh, like so. Yeah, for like two or three seconds, I was like, ah, that's disappointing. But I mean, it also looked they like fire, they were like, throwing stuff actually, at them. Like, yeah, they were throwing oh, those, like those are just grenades, I think. Yeah, yeah, just like just charges and stuff. Okay, like, I wasn't but... sure what they were throwing because it looked like they were th- like in from what I saw. It was a very quick scene, but like when they're throwing stuff, it looked like they were throwing blaster bolts. I'm like, how is this happening? But I think it was just the the trajectory of the oh, blaster bolt looked like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was more just yeah that with the lasers. But yeah, like because I was watching one Tuscan as the scene was panning by, and you can see the little red burst coming out of the of his gun, mm. and I was like, ah, oh, I was kind of hoping it would be you know, yeah, because actual guns, but oh well. And that's what made me laugh because like these at least two of them had them. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, the two of you have rifles. Buddy next to you, it's like, why are you walking up here with a gaffy stick? What <laughs> yeah, are right? you going to do? Smack like, it. What are you going to do when this thing comes charging at you? Yeah, you're going to run at it too? Like, brave of you. Yeah. Good sir, but Speaking you're not going to do Speaking of the gaffy stick much. too, uh, yeah. when they're in the village, uh, you see um, one of the Tuscan raiders uh, with the, one of the Banthas, and he starts to use the gaffy stick to pick the teeth of the Bantha. I'm like, oh, that's what that's yeah, for. Yeah, that, that was wholesome. It's that just a big toothpick. Really, it's like, I'm gonna brush your teeth now. Okay. Yeah, I felt so bad for these banthas in this episode. In no banthas were harmed in the making of this film, um, except for the one. <laughs> except for like the three that were, uh, the one in the village, the one they did at the oh, beginning, yeah, and then the up. one they did at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, you didn't even get eaten. No, but you said you wanted to talk about the crate dragon a little bit. Yeah, well, we we've we've got some some mixed opinions about the crate dragon from from yeah. what we learned in the beginning here, because yeah, the, so. Me and Ed, uh, I'm I'm not sure if Dan you knew this before, but me and Ed definitely it sounds like we both knew. Like the great dragons in old Star Wars lore used to be like legitimate dragons. Mm-hmm. Like you know, what? sorry to cut you, sorry to cut you. Yeah. There's in that book the one that you love referencing, like that short stories book or whatever, myths and whatever. It's mm-hmm. on the cover. Yeah. It's oh legit. yeah. It's on, there's a great dragon on the cover, and yeah, it, it's that. like a mythical dragon kind of looking thing. Hmm. To be completely fair, um, that could be like an adult crate dragon, and this could have been like a baby crate dragon, for all we know. Like this could have been like a larva, basically, of the dragon that you know hasn't developed fully with wings and arms. Like it's just it's a theory of mine. Um, I could see that happening, and yeah, with with the crate dragon, um, it did like you guys said, it looked like more of a dragon that we see like in medieval kind of lore kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but it seemed to be only like a worm you'd see in uh, fantasy, right? Well, like, because um, at this point, um, no, unless you're continuing after this, sorry. Mm, but um, there's, if you've ever played like Jedi Academy or anything like that, there's a planet you go to, we got to rescue like this downship people on it or whatever. And the entire time you're fighting these gigantic worms in the sand. And the the floor will shake, there'll be an earthquake, and then if you don't get off the sand in time, it'll come up and, like, nab you. And you'll see it, and it'll pull you back down to the sand. And it's just, like, it's got no eyes or anything like that. So the first time we see it in the in the village, I I 100% thought that's what it was. I saw, the like, the scales in the back after the, the diving back into the sand. And I was like, okay, those worms didn't have that, but, you know, maybe, maybe something. I was like, what are they doing on Tatooine? Because that would be terrifying. Like, you couldn't have people living on Tatooine. They go everywhere. They're too big, mm. right? So I was like, so how can they justify it here? Then Buddy said crate dragon. And I was like, uh, uh, oh. I uh, loved okay, the okay. aesthetic of the crate dragon either way. Like, it was – I was <laughs> talking with Noma while we were watching this, and uh, – 
as the battle was happening, I was like, this is like a kaiju battle. Like, it coming out of the mountain and just, like, spraying acid on things. Like, it was just this massive battle that was, it was so cool. I loved it. Yeah, the 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 design is interesting. Although, me and Ed had the exact same thought. We were talking about it beforehand, which is, it it legitimately, as soon as I saw it, like, in full view, I went, oh, it's the it's the Jurotodus from Monster Hunter. <laughs> and and Ed, uh, we, yeah, like I said, we were talking before, and Ed thought the exact same thing. Where it very much looks like uh, if you ever look up, or if you don't know what it looks like, yeah, Monster Hunter Jurotodus. Uh, it's spelled weird, but is it very similar it, in design? It, oh, it's almost the exact same. Um, Here, I'll try looks, to find it. Yeah, it it looks very very similar. The only difference is that um, in Monster Hunter, the Jurotodus <laughs> has has fins and legs. We'll put we'll put these pictures in the episode enough. description as well for for this and something else I'll uh, be talking about in just a moment. See, and especially with that movie coming out, like I'm rattled now. Like, what if they had it, and like they're gonna fight? And now you look at it and you're just like, well, what do we do? <laughs> like, we take it out. That's a huge chunk of it. Whatever. How right. they got their how they got their 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 fish weapon or whatever. I don't know. But it's. <laughs> Um, another oh, Easter egg. Starhawk. <laughs> another <laughs> Easter egg that I wanted to talk about was um, the outfit that Boba Fett's wearing at the end of the episode. I, yes. I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, but then I found out this uh, right before we started recording what it was, what it reminded me of. I'm like, I recognize like someone wearing like kind of like a shabby cloak or something that's kind of bundled up around the neck. I'm like, where did I see that before? And it is from. Um, the Force Unleashed video games where Starkiller has uh, an outfit from Raxus Prime and he has that kind of built up like uh, shawl on his neck and it looks very similar to what Boba Fett's wearing at the end of this episode, which is really cool. I thought that was a pretty, if it was intentional, it's a really cool nod. But, uh, yeah. I'm still, I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at that guy. Yeah, just, it's, who do you think you are walking up to a crate dragon with a gaffy stick? Calm yourself. <laughs> you're just, you're just looking I, I for trouble. I can't get over it. I can't. It's, it's stupidity. There, there it's was actually the one, form. the one person that did. I think it was the guy with the rifle that um, went up to see if the dragon was sleeping or not, so they could get yeah. things started. He put his hand on the ground. I'm like, maybe this is a force sense. It, it wasn't ever said, but it, it seemed like it might have been like a force sensitive. Um, Tuscan Raider. So I mean, it's possible see, just they looked younger. Just because somebody can track doesn't mean that they're force sensitive at this point. That's just throwing it like like Vegeta says is a bargain bin sale. It's <laughs> like like there's there's no way, man. Like there's still people in the galaxy who can do extraordinary things because they either trained for it or done something. Like the best bounty hunter can snipe a guy and like turn around. And pull up like three great shots it's like oh my god he did three shots like that must be the force no <laughs> he's, he's this is life i i yeah i feel like if it was a tuscan raider shaman it would have had like a different get up i sure. I, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of assumed he yeah i kind of assumed he was just trying to listen to, for vibrations to see if he could tell the dragon was gonna coming out to eat him yeah i think i think that was um, the case for sure but yeah i don't know but, i felt i felt it, there's like a mystical aspect to it maybe i'm just reading into it too much who knows i i, I feel like I feel like it, it was. It's the fact that, like, no, because I, I, I think there, there's merit there. But I, I think it's the fact that you're you're seeing that plus the music they were playing at the time. Because we were talking about the music a little bit while that was happening. It, it, it sounds very kind of like, um, it's kind of yeah, kind, kind of like spiritual journey, like uh, um, yeah, kind of spiritual journey kind of thing, right? Okay. Um, kind of those slow beat, yeah, Arabian Nights kind of yeah, right. So, so I feel like that also probably influenced you a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah. definitely correct. Yeah. Um, are there any other points that you guys wanted to talk about before we round out the podcast? I mean, the 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 one that we've kind of glossed over, but I know we're all super excited about is we now have official confirmation in canon that Boba Fett lived. What? Boba Fett's yeah. alive? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that I mean, that was you yesterday, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I am. Oh, I was not expecting this in the first episode, but holy crap! I am so elated. I've been waiting for this I'm... since. Oh, seriously, they retcon or they not retcon, but they basically reset canon because. Mm. Oh my god, he's my favorite character. I just want more of this man. Oh. <laughs> no, ex exactly. Like it's 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 been a. 
it that was probably the thing I was it's it, in my top three of of things I was most upset that they had retconned back out of existence, and now to at least get that because it was it was basically like Boba Fett, uh, Thrawn, and then the entirety of the old Sith lore. Uh, mm. were the things that I was most upset with. And, oh, actually, well, top five. Yeah, Dark Empire would be in top, top five, but then, uh, you know, they tried to do that in, in the sequel movies. and it's, just it's did it much well that they brought two things back, and both of those things are fantastic. Right? It It's almost Ron like it should have been a... Yeah, it's almost like it should have been a hint that the Disney execs should have used all of the popular stuff from the EU. I think, I think of... they're in the process of doing it. Now that we're seeing it happen again... Um, I'm very happy that this is the case, and the people that are working on this, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and others, they they know Star Wars. They know what they want as fans, and they know what the fans want, mm-hmm. and they're doing it in a different way for like Thrawn and for Boba Fett. But mm. I am so excited to see where Boba Fett goes because this is setting up a def a definite encounter between Din it's and little, Boba. Yeah. Um, yes. yeah. my speculation on this, I was talking to Noma last night, is mm-hmm. that I think they're setting up a conflict between Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. But, conflict, eh? Okay. But like, oh, 100%. Like, definitely, like, at least a, a, an initial fight or bout. Mm-hmm. But I think after that bout, they're going to realize that they can work together to do something, to complete something, or to do something together. And they're going to work at least once together before... Boba gets his armor back if See, that's how it the one kind of thing, starts to play out. The one thing that can happen here is that out of all the people in the galaxy who are just like, oh, Jedi, what's that? Oh, yeah. He <laughs> lived through the times. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that, and even with Six and everything like that, and he saw another one pop up, it's kind of just like, you know, if anybody can tell him about who this sorcerer race was or whatever, the thing that the, um, the, the, the crafter was talking about. Yeah, the armor. Like, yeah, yeah. She, it can be like, no, yeah, no, they were dicks. They were assholes. They killed my dad. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you know, like, they, you know, there were a bunch of different people and it wasn't like a race. It was just like, you know, people who could tap into it or whatever. But he would have knowledge on that that he could be like, yeah, no, this That's is... true. Yeah, because he had a... This is amazing, with crazy. Sith, like, Asajj and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that, but... Yeah, no, I, I was, I am absolutely convinced that their first encounter is going to end in a fight or going to be a fight. Because the other thing is, um, Boba Fett has, as far as I know, no real knowledge of of Mandalorian custom, especially you know, modern Mandalorian customs, right? Because yeah. if if Jango taught him anything, it was the old school like mm-hmm. Death Watch style uh, stuff, who didn't mind removing their helmets, so. Like, from Boba's perspective, I assume at the end of the last episode, he just saw a guy in Mandalorian armor take his armor. Yeah, right? it could have been that simple. Yeah. So that's what I assume, is he's going to start hunting the Mandalorian. And uh, I I would assume it would be like a mid-season kind of thing. Like, that'll be the, the big payoff in the mid-season, is he, he finally tracks down Din and oh, they fight. My and, god, uh, Noma. Yeah. Th- hmm? Oh, I just thought of this. What if the first encounter they have, because he's hunting him, mm. is Boba has to go find his fire spray ship, the Slave One, at mm. Jabba's old palace, and there's a dog fight between the between uh, the Razor Crest and the fire spray. Yeah, I would oh, man, that would be amazing. Oh my god, I want this now. If if that's how it ends up being that shot, well, we, from the, yes, from yeah, the first I was about character. to say, yeah. we got yes. a space shot, right? This is That'll making be... sense now. Where you know we oh, saw in the trailer, give me back my armor, basically. The Razor Crest, yeah, yeah. broken down, flying towards a planet. Oh my God, let's go! That that would be amazing. I would I would love to see, you know, modern Slave One in action. That would be oh man. I want to see Boba find the Slave One though, and like. Mm. What kind of condition is it going to be? Right, exactly. It's been like five years, six years, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, I'd love to see the full thing. I'd I'd love to see how he got out of the Sarlacc. And I I am assuming the easiest explanation I can get is he gets out of the Sarlacc barely alive, falls unconscious, Jawas find him, strip his armor, and then he spends the next five years trying to find those Jawas. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Because it seems like he's actually had some interactions with mm. some Tusken Raiders, like probably killed some to get their gaffy stick and the rifle and that yeah. kind of thing, right? So he's definitely on the warpath. Man, if this if this ends up setting up a thing where it's like Mandalorian season three and Boba Fett season one, I yes, would just, oh. yes, <laughs> because oh, they're doing Obi Wan. Exactly, right? And they said they were going to do both before, so... Yeah, yeah. Ed, do you have any yeah. speculation for what might happen in the next few episodes? Oh, yeah. I, mine were just earlier with the whole, like, you know, let's see. I want to see them eventually talk about the past. And, like, okay, like, you know, how were you found? How were you raised? Like, just explaining the differences, because before we were just like, you know, we've only seen this set of people where it's like you know this is the way kind of thing but before before this there was no this is the way kind of well not mm. said so much like that like a mantra more kind of just like you know we're mandalorian kind of thing right and people mm. kind of knew what to expect they still do but like that was it there was no like oh you, you say this is the way so you must be mandalorian kind of thing um and with that being like explaining like not only the jedi stuff but like you know how his dad taught him and how the clones were and everything like that. And, you know, cause it'd be nice for them to bring back like the Travis books in a sense to show that they were trained in a Mandalorian way. They weren't just like put in simulator and said, go mm. cause Django did. And he lived on Camino along with Skirata and all those people who have mm. been sadly removed. And it was a great character and should never removed him in the first place. Yeah, seriously. Um, but Still, along those, something along those lines, just showing him, like, you know, this is also the way, kind of thing, if anything, if you're up for it. And I don't think he would be by this point, but, mm. you know, just to show him that there's not just one dogmatic, like, the Jedi uh, <laughs> view on life. Yeah, and kind of kind of bring back that thing we were talking about before, where, you know, it's like showing that there's the multiple clan, or multiple, yeah, exactly. sorry, like, like you said, the multiple lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Death Watch Super Commando. I think we're gonna get a lot more Disney Mandalorian one. this season, like in and like culture, and that's that's I gonna be exactly. huge for that's what I all want. of the three of us. That is all. That that would be the best. I also I also just realized this is like because we were talking about like you know I was saying before if, if we could get a Boba Fett and Mandalorian. I'm just now. Now I'm just thinking about a Boba Fett series, and and I don't want to set my expectations for a non-existent, non-confirmed series too high. But yeah. man, if if they could do a Boba Fett series, and you'd have like a Tamara Morrison timeline of like what Boba's currently doing, and then you yeah. also do flashbacks with Daniel Logan, where it's like what he was doing during. Oh yeah, um, that cool. Yeah, right. Like what what he's doing, you know, um, either in between the original trilogy or beforehand. That. That would be amazing, and then like my my fantasy for that would be you end it with um, them bringing back the old canon where um, at the end he ends up having like a face, uh, either finding or having a showdown with his his daughter. Yeah. I can't remember, I can never remember her name, but um, that'd be a lot. That'd be like a lot that. of fun. Yeah, it would be really cool because all that's you know uh, floating around in in the retcon DU now. But mm-hmm. just so you yeah. know, uh, for listeners, just so you know, Daniel Logan is the actor who played young Boba in. The Clone Wars, um, Attack of the Clones movie, and the Clone Wars yeah. TV show. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other final things before we head out? That's the gist of it. I, I think, think this is a great start to the season. And if the season mm. just gets better or stays the same, I am down for that. Totally fine with that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still super excited because, you know, season, season... Well, we talked about this before. Season one is... is setting up the world and the characters and everything like that. But now we're in the season where you really get to play with everything mm-hmm. and really expand on it. So now I'm really excited to see where, where they're going to go from here. All right. Let's head out to the outro and uh, let the listeners know again how they can give us their feedback and thoughts on Mandalorian Chapter 9, The Marshal. Absolutely. Now, to get in contact with us, you have several ways of doing so. Uh, one of them is by email, which is voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit our Twitter page where we have the handle at voiceforcepod. And retweeting our new episode tweets does help with growing our listener base, which you are a part of. And it is very appreciated. Now we get more people to chat with and alongside us who have other different views that are coming in that you might hear something new as well. 
you can find us at uh, voiceoftheforce.com or once again you can see different things we have episodes our time in Chicago for the Star Wars celebration was amazing by the way um, and finally you can listen rate review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts SoundCloud Spotify and all major podcast platforms and if you do leave a review with five stars and a comment it does help us with visibilities we'll get out there and reach even more people people like you might find connections with and subscribe for free for the latest episode as soon as it releases with all that said guys I think we can round out the podcast mm-hmm. but right. we will uh, we'll see you all next week for episode two yes. this is the way